0: Last week I went into, more into at least, the effect that Satan has had on some of the leaders of God, prophets, kings, uh, Christ himself, uh, and the temptation that he went through, and on the apostles uh, to show that uh, no one is immune in that sense, that Satan can work his deadliness on anyone, anywhere, that he has opportunity. So rather than going further into that today, I want to get into the Scriptures and show some of the things that Satan was doing in the days of Christ and the Apostles, how he affected people, and how grossly and deeply he could affect them, and give us a little hope, uh, I think, as well, Uh, Let's start today in Mark 1. In Mark 1, and here I'll pick it up in uh, verse 23. Uh, It says that they had been astonished at his doctrine, and there was in their synagogue, where he was, I think it was Capernaum, uh, in that synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. So the demon was... Possessing this man had taken over his mind. Now Satan and his demons can do that and we'll see some examples of it today where they act- actually take over. Uh, we've, in our nomenclature in the church, common way of speaking of it, I guess I should say, we speak of demon uh, influence and demon possession. Now they can influence any and every one of us fairly easily with impulsives and impulses and thoughts and things that are ungodly without a problem. Uh, Possession, they have to have an opening, a lack of control in some way with you and your mind in order to truly take over, but they can do that, and then your reactions become their reactions, your voice can become their voice. Uh, The things you say uh, are totally demonic. Now, this was a man who was possessed, and he cried out. So he yelled, he screamed, caused a disturbance. But once he was in control of that mind, his demonic personality began to come out, and they do have different types of personalities. So this one was one that was vocal and cried out. Uh, saying, let us alone, or let alone, uh, but apparently uh, there was more than one there. So they can come in and take over, and there can be more than one demon. In fact, I, in experience, I have been able to visit with people who had more than one, and they have different voices, different personalities. And one will speak, and then recede, and the other, another will come forward. And you're you're talking to multiple personalities there. We call it schizophrenia today. We don't call it demon possessions. They have lots of fancy names for things that I think we will see as we go through these scriptures that are still here today. They're just called different psychological names and things as opposed to recognizing the source of the problem. So let us alone. What have we to do with you, you Jesus of Nazareth? Are you come to destroy us? I know you, who you are, the Holy One of God. So here was a demon. The man had never met Christ, didn't know him. He'd come into Capernaum and was preaching. But this demon, or these demons, knew exactly who he was. They had no problem identifying him just by looking at him, and perhaps by his teaching as well, that it was truly the teachings of God as opposed to some false teaching. So they had several ways of identifying him as the Christ. And Emmanuel rebuked him, saying, Hold your peace and come out of him. So he knew he had power over this demon or demons, And could command them to come out. So he told him to be quiet. Because he was a very loud noisy demon. And come out. And when the unclean spirit had torn him. And cried with a loud voice. He came out of him. So he was able to wreak physical damage on this individual as well. He tore him. I don't know exactly what kind of damage that meant. But. Uh, he inflicted some kind of physical wound as he came out. Uh, you remember Satan in dealing with Job had the ability to do physical things to him, such as the boils. So he could kill animals, he could kill with the power of the air uh, the sons of, and daughters of Job, of Job, and could also inflict physical damage. So we need to understand the powers that are there. And they were all amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? Or with authority commands he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. So Christ had that power over them. Now let's go to Mark 7. I'll just cover a few of these, hopefully fairly quickly. Verse 25. He came, and a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. So here was a grown woman who had a daughter who was possessed of demons. So they can affect children as well. The woman was a Greek a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Emmanuel said to her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. But he was going to deny her because she was not Israelite, and he had come first to Israel and then to the Gentiles. Not that they weren't to be included later, but that was not his initial Responsibility here, as it wasn't for the apostles as well. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. That's quite a remarkable attitude that she had, quite humble and meek. She did not take the racial bait, if you will. How many today, in various parts of the world who are against each other racially, no matter what the country or the races are, Would be that humble and not take the bait and act racist at all. She was able to handle that and to be humble. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet the dog, I read that. And he said to her, For this saying, go your way, the devil is gone out of your daughter. Now, he was not inclined initially to do this, but her attitude was so good, so wonderful, so unusual, that he granted what she wanted anyway. Maybe that tells us something about God and about his son, that no matter the circumstance, if our attitude is sterling, If we look to him and are humble and meek, he can't help himself. He will respond to that kind of attitude. Pride, racism, ego, any of those things he does not respond to favorably. But a truly meek and humble attitude apart from pride, he couldn't help himself. And he made an exception to the job he had come to do because of the attitude of the person. God does sometimes make exceptions or change his mind based on the circumstance. We need to put ourselves as much as we can in circumstances that will cause a favorable reaction from him. Now let's go to Luke 8. That's an aside, but certainly there in the story. Luke 8, and in uh, verse 26... They arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. <coughs> and when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time. So demons can possess someone, and it can be over a period of years, a long time. It's not just a transient thing that happens and they're gone necessarily. And there were, and wore no clothes neither abode in any house but in the tombs. So here was a man that went around stark raving naked, probably raved as well, (laughs) use the expression, had been possessed for a long time and just lived in the tombs among the dead. And he, in that sense, was spiritually dead and his mind was as good as gone because the demons were controlling it And causing him to go without clothes and to live in the tombs. When he saw Emmanuel, he cried out. I don't know what type of cry this was. uh, And fell before him and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God, Most High? I beseech you, torment me not. So here was the demon who fell before him not truly to worship, I don't think, by any means but an acknowledgement of who Emmanuel was and that if he was to receive favor from him he must approach him as one having power and might and control because he was afraid he would be cast out of this man. And he didn't want that. Now they know, all of them, that at some point they are going to be bound for a thousand years. There from Revelation 19. And there's one place I don't know that it's here where it says, "If you come to persecute us or me before the time," in other words, we've been given a certain amount of time, and you leave us alone till our time is up. And the father and the son to this day recognize the time frame and they're not going to cheat even the devil. They're going to give him his time to do his thing and when the time is right, they will be bound. Is God fair? (laughs) How much fairer could you get? than to give Satan and the demons the time that has been allocated to them and even allow them to come before the throne of God on the sea of glass to accuse us. God is way abundantly fair. Let's see, where was I here now? Uh, uh, Verse uh, 29. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters. Now, I don't know that that means literal iron chains, but he was able to control the man's movements so that he could not move. He held him unable to do anything. Chains and fetters. And he broke the bands, and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Emmanuel asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. They didn't want to be cast out, and they didn't want to be cast into the sea, which was nearby there. And there was a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he allowed that. All right, you've got to leave this man, but I will let you go into an unclean animal. Uh, on the other hand, <laughs> interesting, he says, don't cast us into the deep. So he says, all right, you want to go into the pigs? Go in the pigs. Then what did the pigs do? They dived into the deep. <laughs> Took the demons with them. Kind of interesting. He didn't really give them what they wanted, did he? He gave them... Sort of what they wanted, but they had to go into the deep anyway. (coughs) The devils uh, entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake, and were choked or drowned. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. And when they went out to see what was done, and came to Emmanuel, and found the man... Out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Emmanuel, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. This man had been around for a long time, wore no clothes, dwelt in the tombs, yelled, screamed, and sometimes couldn't even move. Was just held down, had no control of his arms and legs and head. And here he was, sitting at Christ's feet with the disciples in his right mind, and with clothes, utterly sane, a normal human being. That scared them. How could this happen? What kind of power does this man man have? They also, which saw it, told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. So, Christ showed his power there. Let's go to Luke 9, 37 and 42. We we need to see the lesson of what God can do with demons, but we also need to see what demons can do to mankind. Luke 9, verse 37. (coughs) And it came to pass that on the next day, when they were come down from the hill, much people met him. And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech you, look upon my son, for he is my only child. And lo, a spirit takes him, and he suddenly cries out, and it tears him that he foams again, and bruising him hardly departs from him. So here was a demon who was violent, caused physical damage to the boy, uh, made him cry out, Utterly insane, you'd have to say. And I besought your disciples to cast him out, and they could not. And Emmanuel answered, saying, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring your son here. So an element of faith and belief and trust in God is introduced here. In order to cause demons to leave, it isn't done without right spiritual attitude and approach and faith in God. And as he was yet coming, the devil threw him down and tore him. And Emmanuel rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. They were all amazed. At the mighty power of God. But while they wondered everyone at all things, which Emmanuel did, he said to his disciples, Let these sayings sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. And through satanic influence in Judas as well. So he says, Remember what this demon was able to do, because it's going to happen to me as well. Well, he knew there was more trouble coming from Satan. Chapter 11, verse 13. Here he's talking about a father's relationship to his children and how a father will give the children uh, good things and not evil. Uh, and I'll pick it up in 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... Here's a recognition of human nature. I mean, these were just normal people he was speaking to, and he said they were evil, which reminds you of Jeremiah 17 9, which is that the human mind is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Our human carnal reactions are just that they're selfish, they're of the flesh, they are not of the spirit by nature. Our nature is an evil and corrupt nature. So he said, you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Spirit to them that ask him? And he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. Now we've already read about some that screamed and were loud and noisy and very talkative apparently. But here was one that was dumb. wouldn't speak. I have encountered some like that, but you could not get them to talk. A very, very difficult situation. And it came to pass when the devil was gone out, the dumb spoke and the people wondered. So here's a person who hadn't spoken perhaps in a long time, had just been absolutely quiet. Once the demon left, the man had his person had their normal mind and could speak normally but some of them said he cast out devils through Beelzebub the chief of the devils they wouldn't credit him with being close to God uh, he says well he just in touch with Satan himself and that's why he can cast out Satan others tempting him sought of him a sign from heaven But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falls. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because you say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges." So, they accused him of being in touch with Satan and using Satan's devices himself. Now, Satan's house could not stand if it were divided. And it won't. It is a divided house, and it will fall. God has already told us that. Now, the church today has a divided house. God says he's behind it. But I'm sure... Like in Job's case and many others, he has used Satan and his demons, turned them loose on the church, and even though God is behind it as he was with Job, it is Satan who causes division. It is Satan who accuses. It is Satan who has angry, bitter uh, attitudes. That is not of God. And yes, all the demons have... Nasty, angry, bitter, hateful attitudes, and that causes division. They can't get along among themselves, and that divided house will indeed fall. Now we, by the Spirit of God, have to have godly attitudes so that we can stand against Satan and not allow him, with the attitudes and devices and subtleties that he has, to divide us further. The only way we can keep from being divided is closeness to God, because God's house is a unified house. And when we speak against one another and put each other down and show bitterness, hatred, anger, frustration with one another, Satan can take advantage of us, and he will use that to divide and conquer. That's the way he is. So we have to guard against that, draw near to God, and have the fruit of the Spirit, which produces love, joy, peace, faith, and overall happiness and security. That's what comes from God. The other comes from Satan, just as outlined here. Uh, Let's go to Luke 4, verse 33. Luke 4, verse 33. They were astonished at his doctrine and power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice. So here's one that's a noisy one. Saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Are you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So we had no... This is a, I think we already probably read this in another account but uh, he knew who he was a loud demon he was cast out Matthew 10 let's, let's go to Matthew 12 first Matthew 12 verse 22 and there was brought to him one possessed with the devil blind and dumb so here he could make someone cause them to be blind and not even be able to speak So all blindness and all deafness does not come from physical reasons. It can be laid on someone by Satan and his demons. And he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both saw or both spoke and saw, and all the people were amazed and said, "Is not this the son of David?" Of course, the Pharisees didn't like it, but. Look at what Satan could do to this person. Uh, let's go to 17 of Matthew, verse 14. And when they, were come to the, when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falls into the fire and often into the water. So here was a son that just was bananas, if you will. I don't know what they would call it today. They've got some A's and D's and different names that they could call it. But Satan would cast him into the fire to try to burn him up and kill him. He would cast him into the water to try to drown him. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. Then Emmanuel answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him here. I think he's telling us there that Satan would have sway again or continuing to do so after his departure. How did it suddenly transition in our modern age from demon influence and demon possession to all these fancy names they have for different psychological problems that people have. Has Satan changed? Have the demons changed? No. Do you think that some of these psychological problems and depressions and difficulties that people have today might have their roots in demonism as opposed to just... Psychological issues. You think the psychiatrists have it all right? I don't think so. We have scripture showing Satan will be more and more prominent at the end, not less prominent. So what we are seeing, perhaps experiencing sometimes today, <coughs> could very easily be of Satan the devil. Go to 1 Thessalonians 2. I want to approach Paul's writings uh, a, a little later, maybe next week, and some of the things he had to say. So I won't today, except I want to pick this one up, 1 Thessalonians 2, and verse 18. Wherefore, we would have come to you, even I, Paul, once and again, I would have come time to time, but Satan hindered us. Now, Satan did not control Paul. I don't think he influenced him unduly because Paul was close to God. But Satan was able to do things through people, through conditions, whether it be storms, shipwreck, or whatever. He was able to do things that hindered Paul from doing the job he had been given to do. And Paul recognized that. He says, we would have been there, but Satan and the demons intervened and got in our way and kept us back. That reminds me of the story again of of Daniel, who had set his heart to seek God, and he had prayed, and he didn't get an answer for 21 days. And when Michael got there, he says, well, the prince of the power of Persia, Satan, withstood me. He hindered me. He stopped me. I couldn't get there. They were both archangels, or had been, and were of equal power. Satan had fallen, but he still had the power, equal power, to Michael. So it took Gabriel to come to help him after 21 days, and two on one, they ganged up on him and beat Satan, and Michael was able to get the answer through to Daniel. So Paul suffered the same circumstances, not exactly the same story, but Satan and the demons were able to prevent him from doing what he knew he needed to do, tried to do, but couldn't get done, and said, Satan hindered us. So if you think Satan can't work through circumstances and situations To hinder what we're trying to do, you got another thing coming. Acts 5. And here I want verse 3. Acts 5, verse 3. Here you have the story of Ananias and Sapphira, who were members of the church, Christians, followers of the apostles in Christ, and a certain circumstance came up that caused them to, in selfishness, hold back. And notice who was involved. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land? So Ananias and Sapphira both lied, and Peter recognized that here were people who were members of the church who should have been close enough to God that Satan could not influence them, but he did. And they did what Satan wanted, and they both wound up dead as a result of it. God punished them for that as an example to the rest of the church. So if you think Satan can't be involved in our lives... Consider these scriptures very deeply. I want to go to Matthew 10. We'll change directions a little bit here uh, with this particular verse because it shows that there is some hope for us. Uh, We could be at the mercy, and he has none, of Satan the devil if we did not have help from God. But here in Matthew 10, verse 1, when he had called him, his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So, healing the mind of satanic influence is one function that he gave to the disciples who became the apostles. He gave that power to the ministry. He didn't give it to anyone else, but he gave it to the ministry. You'd see that throughout the Bible. There are people who think they can anoint. There are people who think that they can uh, do a lot of things that God did not say they could do. And it is highly presumptuous of them to take those things into their own hands. Now, that doesn't mean that they had total power over them. They did have a situation. I I think I, I may get to that. I'm not sure whether I put that one in here or not. I didn't get all the scriptures for sake of time. But it says the disciples could not cast them out. And Christ did. And then they wondered, why couldn't we? He says, well, this kind only come out through fasting and prayer. In other words, you might sometimes order them out and they will come. But there are times and certain types of very stubborn demons that require not only orders, marching orders, but also require fasting and prayer. Some are much more difficult to cast out than others. In my time in the ministry, I've experienced both kinds. Some went relatively easily, and some were very, very hard to get rid of, hard to discern even, hard to determine if they were even there. Others are so very obvious, and it is the inobvious ones that are hard to goad into showing themselves that are the most difficult kind. And do require fasting and prayer. But he did give them a certain power over them. Luke 6 verse 17. Luke 6 and verse 17. And Judas the brother of James and Judas Iscariot which also was the traitor... And he came down with them, stood in the plain in the company of disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the sea coast of Tyre. uh, And these people which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed. So here's another uh, thing that Satan and the demons can do. And that is vex you. They can torment you. They can cause all manner of confusion and frustration in a human being's mind. So, heavy influence, maybe possession, but vexed with with, uh, unclean spirits. So, troubled, confused, frustrated. They can do that to people. Acts 5. Did I already do this one? No, verse 16. This is a different account. Same chapter, Acts 5, but a little further in the chapter. Acts 5, verse 16. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one. Then the high priest rose up, and all day they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. And laid their hands on the apostles, but they put them in the common prison. So, here you put demons out, you make them depart from vexing and bothering humans, and then you, by doing so, you stir up other people, religious people, against you by so doing. Chapter 8, verse 7, Acts 8, 7. Here, Philip was doing miracles. It says, For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. So, Satan can affect mind and body. And a healing of the mind or a departure of Satan and the demons has to occur uh, for the mind to be healthy, just like Physical diseases have to be healed as well. Uh, Acts 10, verse 38. How God anointed Emmanuel of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So, vex people... Harass them. uh, Oppress them. He can do that. Oppress you. Put pressure on you. Cause you to think things and do things that you would not do except from that influence. Let's pick up another one in uh, Acts 13. And here I'll start with verse 8. But Elimus, the sorcerer, So is his name by interpretation Withstood them Seeking to warn away The deputy from the faith Then Saul Who also is called Paul Filled with the Holy Spirit Set his eyes on him So here was a man who was a Direct emissary of Satan Elimus the sorcerer And Paul Saw through Perceived Who he was and who he represented And said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief. So he called him not by name here, but by reputation or by his characteristics. This demon was full of subtlety. He can approach you very carefully, very easily, very slickly, and cause you to do things Satan wants you to do remember back we talked about Eve and Adam and how so easily he approached and got them saying yes, yes, yes like a good salesman and first thing you know they bit so this one was full of subtlety and mischief mischief meaning any kind of sin or wrong attitude or wrong conduct you child of the devil Christ called the Pharisees The sons of the devil. So that you are of your father the devil, uh, the father of lies and liars. You enemy of all righteousness. This tells us here that Satan and his demons are the enemy of any righteousness. If we, through the Spirit of God, begin to attain any level of righteousness, then Satan and his demons are against us. they will try to destroy us. They will try to destroy and impact any righteousness through God that we might achieve. Enemy of righteousness, will you not cease to pervert the highways of the eternal? Is that, I got that marked out. Right ways, highways that must be right ways of the eternal. Will you ever cease? No, they will not, as long as they are allowed. That is their goal. It is their purpose. They will try to stamp out any righteousness that is. Now, I want to put this in more of a modern context. I want to give you a few examples of some situations that I have faced and been in and been attacked by. Uh, just out of personal experience. But let's recognize how much Satan influences this society. You may probably have all heard of the death of Robin Williams recently, the, the comedian who hung himself. And he was indeed uh, an exceptional comic, In some of the movies and various things I've seen him do, an incredible mind for comedy. And yet he had admitted in an interview, I don't know, I didn't get the date of it, but some time back, he had said in an interview that Satan, or demons, or a power, I don't know exactly the words he used, I don't remember, took over when he would stand up to do stand-up comedy. Now, I never heard him do any stand-up. I just saw him in more innocuous movies and TV and whatnot. But apparently, according to this article, he was one of the crudest, most profane comedians around. And some of them can get awfully profane. But when he would get on stage and start performing live, he said, they took over. He says, I could not put together the comedy I gave without the help that they gave him to do what he did. So he admitted demon influence. Now, why did he kill himself? That may have been the same influence. Who knows? But he was tortured by those things. They came and went. When he get on stage, they would come and take over whereas they wouldn't in normal, everyday life, apparently. I don't know how much they tormented him. I don't know how much influence they had day to day. But he did admit that they took over when he went on stage with stand-up. And in the same article, it mentioned another one you might or might not remember. He's dead now. was Jonathan Winters. And he admitted on to The Tonight Show and various other places that he had these beings that would come and influence him. He was a man who had great problems with depression and frustration and maintaining his sanity. But he was a funny man. He could do an awful lot of good comedy, or funny comedy at least. But he admitted that he had extra help when he would go on stage and when he would perform. And they bothered him and vexed him and oppressed him in his daily life as well. Hence the depressions that he faced. Another one mentioned in that one is Beyonce. Uh, she's a younger, more modern singer, I guess. I've never heard her music, I've seen her pictures. But she admitted that when she gets on stage, and starts her act and her singing and whatever all she does, that demons take over, and that she is heavily influenced in her performances by extracurricular beings. So, some some of you younger people may know and even follow, I don't know, uh, have the same problems. It is common in our society today. Satan has his influence over politicians. Nancy Reagan even admitted that she went to seances, contacted demons, and I think Ronald did as well. Or he listened to the influence she got from the demons. So, These things happen. They happen in entertainment. They happen in Hollywood. And many of those people in Hollywood are driven by Satan and by demons and what they produce. And when you see all the violence and the sexual stuff and the uh, overt demonism that occurs, Satan is behind all that. If you go to violent... What they call action movies and so on, you are seeing the work of Satan. You are experiencing it. All of these games that kids and adults play on TV that are violent and kill, 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 destroy, that's not godly. Does God kill, 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 destroy? No. Isn't his attitude at all? That comes from Satan the Devil directly. Star Wars. Is satanic. It isn't just good versus evil. It's satanic. It introduces all kinds of little weird beings, preparing us for Satan's last try at taking over the earth with demon spirits coming from outer space. Hollywood is influenced heavily with demonism, as is politics. And what we see in politics. Is an attempt at world war and destruction of human flesh. What we see coming out of Hollywood is an attempt to destroy morals and human kindness to other humans by depicting violence and all manner of sin. Isn't most of what comes out as entertainment about sin? Isn't what even Disney World, or I mean Walt Disney, the Disney movies for kids, Introduce the same stuff They really really do Satan is very subtle And very careful In how he presents things And makes it look good Satan's ministers are transformed As angels of light Now you may not be getting What I'm saying And it might not change Some of the things you do Or allow your children to do It may not It's just so much talk, isn't it? Oh, it's not really that. Let me tell you a few things that I have experienced myself. I think I've mentioned this one before, but I'll put it in this context. When I was pastor of the Miami church back in the 60s, we got lots of letters in those days from new prospects. And when I got to Miami, there were there were letters that were three and four years old because there had not really been that area had not been worked. The congregation was only at that time about a hundred people, maybe a little more. And I had to go around. Some of these letters, people had moved, they died, whatever. Some were still interested in listening. But I got this one from West Palm Beach, and curiously, uh, that was a hotbed for demons. West Palm Beach of all the southern Florida area I ran into more demons there than anywhere else there were other areas where there were some but not not like West Palm Beach anyway I had this old letter I had not contacted the people ahead of time it was probably, I don't remember now it might have been two or three years old and I thought probably a dead end to even call but I'll go by so I didn't call didn't email them didn't have such things in or text or anything else, I just went there cold turkey to this trailer house, had the address on the letter, knocked on the door, the guy comes to the door, opens it, I know you, you're Daryl Henson from Ambassador College. That took me aback. How did he know that? As a human being, he would have had no clue, no way of knowing that. And then the conversation became really really strange and I got out of there pretty quickly realizing I had run into a hotbed of demons I went to another house I believe that one was in West Palm as well where we'd gotten a letter there were lots of crows sitting in the trees around the house I knocked to the door or knocked on the door and this woman came to the door I could hear yowling and movement, and it turns out the house was full of cats. There were newspapers stacked up on the floor, probably a foot, foot and a half deep, so that you had to walk on the papers to even come in. And then they were stacked up on either side, so there was just a little bit of a pathway through there. Utter and total confusion. The woman had cat manure in her hair where she had picked up cat crap, excuse my language and had rubbed it into her hair she had it all over her clothes So, a house full of cats, total confusion and ravens sitting around the house I had no doubt that I had found a den of demons God is not the author of confusion I left there rather quickly. One time, Marla and I, along with another friend, uh, had gone to Wichita, Kansas. Her, Marla's folks lived there. And we'd gone down there on a mission. And we got in, I don't know, two or three o'clock in the morning, whatever it was, and didn't want to wake her parents or anything. So we went into an all night restaurant. I think it was a Denny's, as I recall. And the three of us went in and sat down at a table, looked around. And over in the corner, a man had zeroed in on us. He just sat there and stared at us, eyes wide open. Uh, One of the ladies, I don't remember which one or both of them, got up to go to the restroom. His eyes followed them all the way to the restroom. When they came out, he followed them all the way back. He had a really strange look in his eyes. I recognized the presence of a demon very clearly there. And he knew who we were. He could have been looking at anyone in that busy restaurant. It was still fairly full even at that hour. But he zeroed in on us the second we walked in that door, and his eyes did not leave us until we paid and walked out. He knew who we were. I remember I told you, Satan knows all the people of God. He sees the Spirit wherever it is. I had a situation in the Almonte Church when I was there in the early 70s, where a guy who was new made contact through the church, and I went to see him, called him up went to see him. And he was essentially talking gibberish. I had trouble understanding what the man was saying. But I somehow got the message through all that that he wanted me to lay hands on him. So I did. When I put my hands on his head, he talked normal. When I took my hands off, he went back to the gibberish. Put my hands back on, he talked normal. We did that three or four times. And one time when I had the hands on his head, he said, You have power in your hands, brother. He recognized that the Spirit of God was there, and that the demon remained quiet and left him alone as long as my hands were on his head. So I asked God to rebuke the demons, and then left I never heard from him again. I don't know what happened in that case, but I do know that Satan was there, or the demons were there, and that they knew the Spirit of God when they saw it. I knew a woman, as when I was still a child, she and her sister would go to a certain town in Texas. And they'd gotten involved with this soothsayer, this sorceress, this, uh, I don't know what you'd call her. Uh, You you see the little signs around, uh, the seers, if you will. They started going to this person to have their fortunes read, to get advice and so on. And one of these was a member of the church. Didn't realize what she was getting into. You know, there's Ouija boards and various things like that where you can contact demons. And they love to respond to those things. Stay as far from those as you can get. And from any of these crystal ball gazers or whatever they might be called, God calls them uh, soothsayers and magicians and so on. But they are in contact with Satan. This woman had three children very close together in a row. And I think that the initial contact came from those visits to that soothsayer. But after that third child, she fell into what you would call, I guess today, postpartum depression. I would call it something else, but uh, Satan began to influence her, I think, and she got to the point, possibly because of uh, the attrition that had caused, been caused by having three children right together on her body and mind, she was weakened, and then she had been going to the soothsayer, so she was a prime candidate for trouble. And she came to the place where she would lie comatose on a bed. You could see eye movements under her eyelids, but she wouldn't open her eyes and wouldn't speak. Essentially, deaf and dumb. Have you heard anything like that recently? And didn't move. And I would go on for some time, utterly responseless. Sometimes she could move around and speak, but that became more and more frequent. And one night... She waked her family up with all kinds of noises. She'd stayed up late reading her Bible. The Bible was turned to Matthew where it says, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out, or if your right hand offends you, cut it off. There's where the Bible was open. She was right-handed. Now I have butchered hundreds of animals literally in my life and I know how hard it is to find the exact spot where a leg joint is uh, to sever a deer leg or an elk leg or a cow's leg at the joint if you miss it a little bit I mean a fraction of an inch it becomes almost impossible and then you can't seem to find the right place Been through that. If you hit it just right, you can go through that joint and cut it apart fairly easily and remove the leg that you were trying to get off the carcass. And that's with your good hand. I'm left handed. I don't think I could cut an animal's leg off with my right hand. I'd never find the joint. I wouldn't have the control. I wouldn't have the capacity, probably, to get that off. Well, give me a half a day, I might. With the left hand, I got experience enough that I could most of the time find it and remove the legs. Okay? This woman had read those verses. She was under heavy influence, if not possession, of demons at that point. She took a knife in her left hand And she was very right-handed. And she cut her own wrist off, left-handed, with a common kitchen knife. Noise was made. It woke up most of the family. And two men, two males, one grown, the other almost grown, could not hold her down. She had incredible strength. They tried to save the hand, which was hanging just by a little piece of skin. It later came off. She almost died there from satanic influence and twisting of a scripture. She had gone through some of the things that you and I just read about in the scriptures. That's in my lifetime. And that had happened. She named that baby that was born just before this happened after a demon from India who had come to America and who possessed her. The name was later changed because it was recognized the source of the name. She eventually healed up. She regained her focus. The demons were cast out. And she returned to normal life. But my mother has lived for over 50 years without a right hand. I was there. I was the 14-year-old boy who tried to hold her down along with my dad. It was scary, believe me. I know what Satan and his demons are capable of, brethren. I've seen it firsthand. When I was in California in the 70s pastoring the Fontana and Glendora churches, We lived up on the mountain there above San Bernardino, and one evening I was, I had the fireplace going, and uh, you know how you like to sit and watch a fire. I laid there, I didn't get up and go to bed, I laid there until I dropped off into sleep. And the next thing I knew, when I woke up, I could not move a muscle Like being bound with fetters and chains. I could not move anything. The only thing that worked was my mind. And I realized I was in a tussle, an absolute spiritual battle with a demon or demons. Satan himself, I don't know. But I prayed as desperately, couldn't utter a word, couldn't pray out loud. Just the mind is all that would work. They had completely controlled my body, could move nothing. My mind was my only chance. So I prayed to God, who was my really only chance. I don't know how long it lasted, it seemed an eternity. But I prayed and prayed. And the sweat was bursting out on my face and on my body. I was straining so hard to keep from being taken over. And after praying as hard and as long as it took, it released me. And I was so weak I could hardly move. That demon had tried to take charge of my mind didn't have any trouble with the body, but the mind it had problems with. And by the power of God, I was able to resist by praying the eternal rebuke you, Satan, over and over and over again and crying out to God mentally. Some of you may have some experiences like this. I don't know. I was in Imperial Schools in Big Sandy (coughs) my ninth through the twelfth grade. And in my senior year, we were going to have a class of two. Smallest graduating class, I guess, that ever came out of there. But a new new girl came toward the beginning of the year. And the two of us in the class recognized she was strange. We went through a whole year of dealing with her just had she was just odd and i think even then we suspected there might be demon problems there <clears throat> well we graduated both of us were accepted into pasadena ambassador and she was not but she came out there anyway and took up residence with a lady that was connected with the college And one night, sometime during my freshman year, I got a phone call at my dormitory because this girl had gone absolutely berserk, screaming and yelling and tearing up the house, throwing things, breaking things. Did we read anything like that recently? So I was just a freshman student. But they called me there because I knew her. And... She had begun to subside by the time I got there. They also called Dr. Hay and he came over and recognized and, and rebuked the demon. And it left. I don't know whatever happened to her, whether she was completely cured of that or not. But these are very real stories, brethren. They're modern stories. Well, I'm not too modern anymore, but fairly modern. Not all the way back in Christ's day. I can probably think of others where I've in many cases encountered demons, and I'll tell you it is never fun, it is never exciting, it's gross, it's horrible, it's filthy, it's wretched. Now you have thoughts that come to your mind that are impulses put there by Satan and his demons. They will try to take over if they get a chance or even if they don't get a chance. They will attack and they will try to destroy us any way they can. Thankfully, we have a God in heaven that we can call on. I had a strange experience this week. Maybe Satan doesn't like what I've been preaching recently. I think he hates it. He doesn't want to be found out, told on. He doesn't want you to have a better understanding of how he works. Now, this experience was not like the ones I've already told you about. More innocuous in a way, but in some respects just as dangerous, I think. Now, you might be approached, if you're in a bar room, occasionally by... Uh, an friendly woman or something but I think what occurred to me doesn't happen very frequently much of anywhere I was up near Salt Lake City picking up a water tank on Monday I'd been to the factory and picked it up, had it tied on the trailer and I, I was really hungry so I thought hey, I don't want to eat total junk food so I was looking for kind of a mom-and-pop place or something where I could get something at least halfway decent. So I saw a sign on the block off the highway that said, old, fa- old Fashioned Burgers. So I went in and asked them, oh yeah, we make our own patties right here. We cut up our own potatoes to make our fries. and we It's old-fashioned. Lemon, I mean, uh, pickles and onions and tomatoes and, you know, the old-fashioned type of real hamburger. And uh, so I ordered one, and it said quarter pounder, and then it said half pound. So I said, well, I'll just go for the half pound, and I did. And I expected it to be like, you know, Wendy's or McDonald's where you get two little bitty quarter pounders, you know, on one little bun, and they call that a half pound. Now, this, this bun came out the size of the plate. It was huge. And it had a big patty in there as big around as the bun, a full half pound, and had all the accoutrements. So while I'm sitting there waiting for that to come, I see several people walk in. There was a lady dressed up in a business clothes. She probably just came in for a quick lunch. And an old couple came in and sat down. And then there was this younger woman came in with two children Oh, six to nine years old, something like that. Probably in her mid-thirties. And another guy came over here and sat down. So I'm sitting there eating, and all of a sudden this lady comes, pulls out the chair at my table, and sits down and starts talking. Down a restaurant, fast food restaurant at that. I think that's fairly unusual. She sat down and says, Do you like your hamburger? I said, yes, good. Uh, did you order that big one? I said, yeah, I don't, know. I don't think I can eat it all. And I couldn't. I wrapped some of it up and took it with me. She started out very innocuous. I thought, what's going on here? Does she need a handout to pay for her lunch or something? That's the only thing I could think of. So she talked for a little while. And then she got up and went back to her kids. And I thought, that was odd. That doesn't happen, you know, every week, very rare, under those circumstances. So I finished my lunch, went out to the truck, and I went back to check my load to see if the straps were still tight and everything before I was to take off. Well, here she comes out of the restaurant with her two little kids. Turns out she'd parked right next to me. She had a BMW convertible. She didn't need a handout. (laughs) so she asked me where I was going I said well down the St. George area well I just live over here a little ways she says why don't you come over for a little drink and maybe we can have a barbecue later and I'm thinking I need to get away from here real soon she was a pretty nice looking young lady at that she probably didn't discern just how old I really am I don't think she was... She might have been in her late 30s, but the kids, which she said were her daughters, were only six to nine years old. I think Satan was involved. I think he didn't like the sermon I'd given the week before, and I don't think he likes the one I'm giving today. And I think he threw a stumbling block right in my path out of nowhere, totally strange circumstance. Very unusual. I mean, I... I and you and George and various ones kid with the, you know, the clerks and so on when we go out of checkout line I mean that's just standard operating procedure you'll say something and try to make them laugh or smile or whatever make their day a little easier I, I make friends easily in that sense but this is right out of the blue I noticed her as she came in but I didn't you know, look at her like hey, just sitting there here she came Does Satan do stuff like that? Did she start out very simply and subtly by asking how my lunch was? (laughs) You know? I don't know. But it doesn't always have to be outright possession or heavy influence. It can be very simple things where we can be tempted with all kinds of different things that Satan would throw at us. Today I wanted to get across some of the things that happened with Christ and the disciples, how demons reacted, what their approaches were, and then give you a few examples, both horrible ones that occurred and some that are less noticeable as what they were. So we get a little bit of a feeling of how Satan works And it's not all ancient history. It's still there today and every day. And if he doesn't attack us outright and personally, he does it through the media, over the airwaves, as the prince of power of the air. He is capable of influencing us through TV and computers and phones and anything that comes out of Hollywood or politics Or simply through the air With subtle hints Subtle thoughts Of evil that come from him And he infects or affects Everybody on this earth You say well so and so must be demon influenced Brethren everybody is It may be small It may not be much But how much does it take to influence us to think wrong thoughts and to take wrong actions? It doesn't take much. And he will take advantage of any weakness. He will take advantage of any circumstance to influence us to think wrong or do wrong. That's his goal, and that's his purpose. Whether it be having a woman and her husband eat of a piece of fruit, or whatever it might be. He will attack us, and he will influence us if at all possible. We need to guard our minds as carefully as possible with what we allow to be injected into them through electronic media or any other way, because Satan uses the airwaves as one of his principal ways of reaching people today. And there is very little on the electronic media that isn't involved in sin, degradation, and immorality, murder, hatred, thievery, killing, whatever. Very little is on there that doesn't have some use, misuse of violence or sex or language or anything ungodly. And even Some of the leading artists have admitted that they are taken over by Satan the devil. And if those will admit it, what about some of the rappers and the singers and so on, the rockers? And that's about all they sing about is drugs and violence and alcohol and misuse of good things that God has given. Think about it.